0: just trying something and giving it a go the worst that could happen is you don't like it somebody says no doesn't work out like if that's the worst thing I could deal with that but I think some people are not even afraid like they're so afraid to even try but you have to live your life life is so short that you have to live life you have to travel maybe you can't go away for two years right maybe there's a pandemic or something crazy happens but it's looking. I believe, even through the pandemic, I've realized I, you have to look forward to things in life.
1: Oh, it's too trendy. That that defines trendy. Oh.
0: Kind of blew me away too. My dad was saying, like, like we almost like cried tears of joy just at how nice people were. Like, seriously, people, those people could write the book on hospitality. If you can afford and have the means to travel or find some type of grant or scholarship, or maybe study abroad, like whatever it is to get you in, I think travel is one of the most enriching experiences anybody could have in their lifetime.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Wing It Travel podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people on my travels that want to bring on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker? or a traveller, or gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel, then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Do you fancy some bonus content with this episode, then fear not. If you start to my patron today, by going on to www.patreon.com forward slash wingin' It Travel podcast then you'll find these extra features every week for Monday and Friday's episode. One bonus episode every month, some ad-free content, some early access to episodes, the exclusive added travel must have feature on every episode, patron shout out, some ad hoc bonus episodes, you'll get a copy of my digital travel planner which is available on Etsy, and you'll get my monthly Winging It Travel podcast magazine. If this takes your fancy, you can sign up for £4, $7.50 Canadian, $6 US a month, and I really thank you for supporting the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting this. And I'll see you soon. Cheers, James. Let's get into the episode. So, Hello and welcome to this week's episode where I'm joined by Marielle Fry. Marielle hosts the Travel Experiences Reimagined podcast as well as the blog with the same name. So I'm excited to talk today about travels, blogging, podcasting, tours, and how she helps other travellers share their story on her platform. Welcome to the show. How are you doing?
0: Good. How are you? And thank you for having me.
1: I'm very well, thank you. And where are you currently based?
0: I am based in Charleston, South Carolina. So right outside of that.
1: Okay. So for my European listeners, which I do have quite a few, what is Charleston known for? Because I don't know much about it either.
0: That's okay. Charleston is a charming and beautiful little city. You know, it was, it's was. it been named from travel and leisure every year as like the top city in the US. Just oh, wow. named the best small city in the US, number one. Mm -hmm. And it's really known, there's so much it's known for. It's known for its seafood. It's known to have a little bit of everything for everyone, whether you go downtown and you look at these beautiful historic buildings and just houses, right? Made in the 1800s, you know, early 1900s, and they've just preserved that. So you have a little mix of like Spain, France, all throughout Europe, but it's also that California chill vibe. It's a little bit of everything. The food here is out of this world to book a restaurant. I tell anyone book minimally a month in advance, if not (gasps) two to three months, (laughs) depending on the restaurants, because they get booked up even on like Monday nights, Tuesday nights, nights that you don't think people go out. They go out then. Even my husband and I, we were trying to book a restaurant that's like a very high end place. we had to book it five weeks out on a tuesday night for 6 (laughs) 30 because you just can't get a weekend like it's just it's wild so that's like my hot tip for charleston book ahead um but it's just a wonderful city and there's so many reasons i moved here between warmer weather for anyone in america who knows this cheaper taxes um people are a lot nicer and i felt as a transplant coming outside of new york Nobody's really from Charleston who lives here. So it's kind of interesting to meet people and everybody's from oh. somewhere else. So if you move here, need any guidance on that, I'm happy to help. But it's a great city for anybody who isn't from here. And you people are really nice and really help you out in the best way. So it's it's been amazing.
1: Oh, wow. I've heard a few podcasters that are from the US say they're going there for like a trip, like a weekend break. They all tell me it's nice, but I didn't really know like too much detail about it. But Because they preserved it. Why is there no one there who really is from there? What's that about? Is that because of industry or?
0: Industry, it's very cosmopolitan. So I think a lot of people have been kind of pushed out because it's getting Ah. more and more expensive. So I think that's part of it too. And now from the outskirts, it's just slowly moving out. So that's part of it as well. And a lot of people from, you know, up north, right? And when I say north, for anyone who doesn't know, like New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, kind of that area. Mm. And they want to move somewhere south. Maybe they don't want to go to Florida, right? Maybe not even Georgia, but they want to go to the Carolinas or somewhere beautiful. Charleston's always a hot place. It's an hour and a half flight outside, you know, from New York. So it's an easy flight, great little weekend trip. It's just kind of that perfect mix of beach city going out doing outdoor activities, really depending on what you like. But I really believe there's something here for everyone, whether you're a couple, whether you're a family, solo, friends, tons of bachelor, like bachelor parties here. It's <laughs> it's that perfect mix for everybody.
1: Oh, wow, I've got to visit now. you put it on my list?
0: <laughs> for sure.
1: <laughs> oh, crikey, the list is getting even longer. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I don't know much about the Carolinas, so I endeavor to hear and learn more about the US states because they're all so different in their own way. Huge place. Where did you grow up originally then?
0: So I was really born and raised in New Jersey, which is right outside of New York. I've moved around New Jersey my whole life um, up until a couple of years ago, but it's predominantly been New Jersey. And I've lived the past 10 years before I moved out right outside of Manhattan. So I was about a 10 minute train ride to the World Trade Center and about 20 minutes to about 34th Street, which is like the big Macy's if people don't know.
1: New York is a bit like London in the fact that how I say I lived in London, right? And I, if someone said to me, "Ah, oh, I want to live and move in London," I'm like, "Oh no, don't do that!" Like, I don't know if Manhattan's the same in terms of like it'd be great. It's an amazing place to visit, but to live, it's going to be expensive. It's going to be busy. I don't know if the novelty would wear off quite quite quickly.
0: I find it does. Um, you know, I've known some people who are like diehard New Yorkers, right? They will yeah. live and breathe in New York till the day they die. <laughs> for most for most people, it's very transitional. I find it's a city that you come and go. I worked out of Manhattan for about seven years going in and out of the city. Mm. And it definitely is a wear and tear like London. It's very much you go in, you work, it's this hustle and grind. And Mm. I used to go to networking events and happy hours and dinners and all these things. And don't get me wrong, it was great experiences. I met awesome people, but it wears and tears on you. And there was a point where I just got really tired of the city And not, I'm not going to say I prayed for something like COVID because I would never want that Mm. like ever to happen. But for corporate America, it was the best thing because it was nice to not commute and have that nine to five grind. It's nice to wake up and like take my dog for a walk and then come home and then start work and not have a commute and going back and forth. And you just lose your quality of life. I feel with commuting and going into a city like New York, it's dreary. It's this hustle grind. It's. It's a lot, but to visit New York, 1 million percent visit. I think it should be on everyone's bucket list at least once, right? Kind mm. of like London. I think it's one of those cities where if you go and you do it right based on what you like, you'll love New York. But to yeah. live there, the cost, the commutes, the hustle, the bustle, just the way people are, I, I don't drive with it anymore. I'm happy to be out, but I'm grateful for the experiences that I had.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. London's the same. And you got to ask yourself, is it long-term? Because let's say you want to stay there long-term and bloody hell, you've got to have a good job. pays well. Because <laughs> I don't know how you're going to buy anywhere in Manhattan or, or, or central London. Not possible.
0: You don't. It's like London. You don't yep. buy in New York. If you bought, you bought 30 years ago when it was yeah. Yeah, what <laughs> better. Um, now it's it's just unattainable. And plus the taxes too are just insane. So for a lot right. of people... I have friends who do this. They'll rent in Manhattan, but they'll own outside of Manhattan. Uh-huh. And it's just actually better for tax reasons to do that. If you can afford both, right? That's even that's even yeah. if you can't even afford that. But excuse me, that's like a much better way to go versus trying to buy in Manhattan and then renting it out. And it, it's just really complicated in mm. terms of the intricacies of it. But if you wanted to live in New York for a year or two, I'd say get the experience, right? Just do it. But I would not say to live there for a whole lifetime. It just just bogs on you and it just drains on you. And I'm sure London, when I went to London to visit, I felt it was very similar to New York. That's why I was not, it's going to sound terrible, but I wasn't like so impressed with London. I was like, okay, this mm. feels like New York. It's like yes. just a really big city. It was great. I had a good time, but I wouldn't live there either. I felt the same way, like New York, it's just dreary and it's cold and it's hustle and it's just... There's a lot going on, and I, I like a little bit of a slower life.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I, I hear you on that. Yeah, London's strange. I I found it quite relentless, actually. That's why I moved out um, after my degree. I was like, no, can't deal with this too Don't much. Blame
2: you. Some
1: people do love it. I guess it's like London, and I guess you called them right here, the same as New Yorkers. They would never leave, and it's the best city in the world. But I would beg to differ on that for London, that is. But New York, same with New York. I loved it. Must admit.
0: You love or hate it. You love it or you mm. hate it. I don't think New York is an in-between like LA. It's one of those places where you love it or you hate it. And New York's great. Listen, it's a great city. I would say to visit, you're probably going to love it. You're going to love the food. You're going to love walking around. You're going to yeah. love the sights. You're going to love that. But again, to live there on a day-to-day basis, you have to wonder, can I even afford it? Do I have a good job that'll help? Do I have to live with four roommates? Like <laughs> there's so many other things to think about <laughs> that it's not just like, oh, I wanna live in New York. Like it's yeah, yeah. just tough.
1: Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Good advice That And New Jersey growing up there, was there ever a sense for you growing up that you want to travel early doors? Or was that something that grows with time?
0: I definitely wanted to travel. My parents really couldn't, you know, I'm one of three, so they couldn't afford to travel. I always wanted to travel outside of America. And obviously, we've traveled a little bit within, but I always had this wanderlust within me to do more. And so going to college, I studied hospitality, travel and tourism. And I ended up getting an internship to work at a travel agency. As soon as I could travel, right, like, I don't want to say on my own, because I've always had people to travel with, but I've always wanted to travel. And for me, if it was like, going somewhere or getting excited about a trip, like I would save X amount of money to go somewhere and get so excited about that. And so I've just for the past decade, I've traveled to a bunch of places. Mm. You know, I've started my first international trip was Israel. Oh, wow. And that was I did birthright. So if you are Jewish, you know, L'chaim. but if you're Jewish, you can have the opportunity between the ages of 18 to 26 to go on a free trip to Israel. Oh. And essentially everything is paid for, which is really great. The only thing you pay for is like a couple little lunches, but otherwise it's accommodations free. Flight is free. Everything is free within that 10 days. I actually extended an extra week and I paid about, I think it was like 50 to $70. I don't remember what the prices were, but you can Mm. extend it for up to 90 days to stay. And so I stayed an extra week because I had friends stay. Um, But that was my first taste of going somewhere internationally. I was like, I just want to do this over and over and over And since then, I've traveled to Southeast Asia three times. I've gone to Europe a whole bunch now. I went went to Colombia a couple of years ago and went to Mexico. I've just traveled to so many places and it just opens your mind so much. And I just love travel. I think if you can afford and have the means to travel or find some type of grant or scholarship or maybe study abroad, like whatever it is to get you in I think travel is one of the most enriching experiences anybody could have in their lifetime.
1: Oh, 100%. And the question about the Israel portion, how is that free? Who do you go with to get that free trip? Like, how does that work? So
0: it's Birthright and Birthright has a couple different programs. I right. went with, I believe, Tug Lee. I mean, this was, I went, gosh, almost 11 years ago, 12 years ago now. So it's been <laughs> a while. Yeah. But I know there's different programs um, within Israel that sponsors these and you have to, you give it a little bit of a donation fee But then there's a lot of other people who donate a lot more money. And then even in Israel, they, I forgot if they donate like their taxes or they do something that goes toward this program. Mm -hmm. Their goal is one for you to marry Jewish, but they also want you to think about going into their army. So, okay. They kind of cultish brainwash you which, like <laughs> say that, but it's kind of true. They really want you subconsciously to like love Israel and want to move there. And it helps them because there was one girl on my particular trip. They have about 30 people per group yeah. that they bring. And I remember one girl, I think she actually moved there and did the army. Oh, wow. And so that helps their tourism, right? When people get to go over there. And mm. they see it for themselves and how beautiful and like you do so much in a day, like your day starts at seven in the morning, you're not in bed till nine, ten 10 o'clock. You are packed with activities. Yeah. But I would really sleep for 10 minutes on the bus going from one place to another because you're just so tired. <laughs> you do so much and you see so much in 10 days. Like we rode a camel. We did like a whole camel thing and um, mm. Bedouin tents that we slept in overnight We were in Tel Aviv, we were in Jerusalem and saw the Western Wall, we were near the Lebanese border. You just do a lot in a little amount of time, but it really just opened my eyes to realize how amazing this world is and how I just want to do more and see more and just do as much as I can in my lifetime.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask like, your first initial thoughts of international travels, to Israel as the first country. It must have been a bit of a hit because obviously it must – affects everyone who travels internationally because it's always going to be something different and I imagine if you go to Canada from U.S. it's not going to be a, a, as big a hit but going to somewhere like Israel Middle East it's going to be like bam different senses different things going on so how did you find that
0: amazing I mean I thought the plane ride obviously I think if you're nervous of plane rides I think it's a different story but mm. I feel when you do it when you're a little younger you you don't have as much I say caution but you're like eh, screw it let's just yeah, go yeah, yeah, yeah. You, just, you go you you wing it and that's how I felt I like you know what Good I'm luck. young I'm gonna do this thing and it's totally fine and you know what it was just amazing I mean I loved the people for me first of all I, I want to caveat this anytime I travel you can go to the most beautiful place or the most and eh place if the people suck mm. it's not great, you know, better or bad news of that, but it's true mm-hmm. because I mean, I've been to Vietnam and I can tell you Vietnam is, I think it's a beautiful place, but some people may argue it, right? Because it's a little yeah. dirty, it's different, but the people make it incredible. And I still have friends there that I still talk, to, even with the 12 hour difference, it's not all the time, but I know if I told them I was going there, they would move mountains for me because they're incredible people. And likewise, you know, I went to Venice, it was a great place, but my experience, I didn't feel people were, they were nice, but I didn't feel it was as nice as other places I've been. And I thought, eh, like, I don't need to go back. Would I go back? Maybe, but not on the top of my list, right? So when you think about travel, part of it for me really is the people. It really is that experience of talking to people, meeting locals, having those conversations and it just enriches your whole trip. It makes it so interesting. And just, you know, it's why we do this podcast, right? It's
2: talking
0: to different people from all over the world and just understanding their perspectives and where they came from and why they love what they love and how that carries over such a ripple effect.
1: Yeah, and that's why I try and implore people to speak to local people because you really get a sense of maybe what it is like to be a local for a small, you know, period of time. You're never going to feel like what it really is like, but... You know, if you just stuck to your group, it's okay. It's it's experience, but I think you gain more by speaking to people who are actually there.
0: 100%.
1: Venetians, for example. I mean, I'm not surprised you said that because I just think Venetians are just fed up with tourists. (laughs) Like, it's (laughs) over-tourism is a huge problem there. And I think maybe pre-COVID, I'm not sure what it's like now, post-COVID, but pre-COVID, they would have been just, like, it's tourist after tourist, like, during the high season. So I think they're probably, like, nice... To a degree, and then they won't go any further. But yeah. some like Japan, for example, that I went to, they would go the extra mile to help you out.
0: Sure. Well, definitely want to go to Japan now. I was just talking about with my husband how that's like a big, big bucket list trip for us. So hearing stories like that, it just gives you comfort that you can feel really safe somewhere. Because I do think safety and security is a big thing for people. And that's something that I've noticed too. I remember I was going to Rome and everyone told me I was going to get pickpocketed. Someone's mm. going to pickpocket you. It's not a safe city. That's totally fine. Yeah. Totally fine. You know, I think if you know how to protect yourself and you have like a little bit of common sense, you're pretty good. Yeah. You know, and if you know how to like hide things, right. Or, you know, that kind of stuff, then you're, you should be good.
1: I think that comes to experience as well. Yeah. If, if you just notice signs like, oh, maybe that person approaching there doesn't seem quite right. If you just notice situations. Yeah. I think you'd be fine. It's easy to blow out proportion how unsafe or dangerous some places, but actually, like like you said before, actually, one person might go to bad experience. You might go to a brilliant experience. It's just don't take one story as the gospel. You know, take a collection of stories, and then you should be good to go. I agree. Countries that you mentioned, did you always do tours?
0: Pretty much. I'm just. I mean, you know, Israel. I did Birthright, so that yeah. was just tours. You know, galore, and they had a whole kind of system and process. When I did Southeast Asia three times, the first time I went, I did Cambodia. Yeah. And and Cambodia did uh, Angkor Wat. So I didn't necessarily do like a tour tour, but we did a tuk-tuk. And this oh, guy yeah. Same. took yeah. us around and took us to all the watts, which was amazing to do. Mm. So to me, that was kind of a tour in itself where you just got to walk around and see them. And that was really cool. In Thailand and Bangkok, I don't remember if I did a tour out of there. I think I was just so overwhelmed with it all that it's just you just walk around and explore. Which yeah,
1: exactly. Great. yeah, Yeah.
0: When I was in Chiang Mai, I did the rice. I did a cooking class, which was really neat. It was in a rice field and they had the cooking class set up and it was really neat. Loved doing that. Florence, I did an incredible food tour. It was just like, you don't eat before, you don't eat (laughs) (laughs) after. The amount of food (laughs) ate between cheese, olive oil, bread, gelato, sandwich, pizza, wine, like it was just, like, more wine, more cheese, like, food galore, drinking galore. I was so drunk by the end. <laughs> and, but, like, you have to wear leggings. For girls, definitely wear the leggings. For guys, <laughs> we- <laughs> you have to no, own oh, an espresso before, like, in the beginning and yeah. at the end. Like, it's just so much food. And, like, you're walking around. But it was just amazing. I also did Food Tour in Venice, which I thought was good. But after doing the one in Florence, I'm like... Florence like just beat that you know out of the water in Berlin I did a walking tour free one but I want to caveat free for a second because yeah please yeah yeah people think that free is free free is not free right free is free but it's donation so I just want people to know this and be aware that just because they advertise free doesn't mean that it's free it's free based well they want everybody to feel included and give what you can give, whether it's 5, 10, 15, 20 euros, dollars, pounds, whatever you know you want to use. I do believe in giving something. Yeah. Um, again, depends on the tour. Depends how long. Depends how good they are. They really base it on like a value system of like how amazing you think they did. And then you can give them what you feel is appropriate. So that kind of cap like, is different. Depends if you're solo. Depends if you're two people, three people, four people, big group, whatever it is just being mindful of their time and how much information they gave and how great they were. So done free tours. I did a beer tour in Berlin. I did an incredible food tour in Lisbon too. That was phenomenal. Wow. And it was unique because obviously I'm trying foods that I've never had, but it, the woman was, I don't want to say woman. She was a girl really, but she was fantastic. She had so much energy, did history in a really fun way and Hmm. just, Really showed us like local, local spots of like grannies making food oh, and going to the pot places. Like it was just exquisite. Like I tell everyone about this tour because they it was phenomenal. Loved it. Mm. And Madrid, I did a food tour, but I'd say I was not impressed with Madrid either. I know a lot of people love Madrid, but I was not crazy about Madrid. I felt it was, again, like a New York, London vibe. Yeah, And I don't know. I wasn't crazy about the food. I wasn't crazy about the people. It just... It was okay <laughs> it was- i thought madrid was okay <laughs> the tour even was like fun but again i was not i wasn't blown away um, right you know Colum- when i went to Colombia, i was lucky my husband worked with this guy who lives down there so we had like a really local experience like living oh, wow. the local and he drove us around and yeah. that was spectacular it was amazing mm-hmm. um really loved that i went to sri lanka a friend of mine was living there during for embassy duty so we kind of just we did a tuk tuk tour actually that was yep. really neat mm-hmm. definitely loved that in vietnam i've done motorcycle tours so the first one was just 2 days one of the days was rainy so we had to be in a van but the second time i went it was a 5 day tour and it was incredible and i have a lot more details i'll shout out another travel podcast which is experiences you should have with Gail and she's fantastic. And I actually go into a lot of detail about the motorcycle tour, but ultimately uncle nine does it. He is amazing. And he really takes you around wherever you want in Vietnam, depending on how many days you have. I mean, it's, it's a crazy tour. Um, And I say (laughs) that because you're sleeping in like guest houses, right? You're not like the showers are even questionable. But when you go there, these people just have nothing. And when I say nothing, they live in, like, I don't want to say cabins, yeah. but, like, wooden little buildings. They have maybe a pot, a mat, and that's it. And, like, some mm. clothes. When I tell you, like, nothing but the our tour guide who drove us around in the motorcycle gave us candy. And he said, if you give them candy, they'll really appreciate it. And so they hold their hands out like this, just, like, with a smile. And you just realize, like, how lucky you are to have running water, right? Because we were in like outhouses with like no toilet paper, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You like think about that of like fresh water, heat and air, you know, roof over your head, food, a kitchen, like all these little things that really make you appreciate life so much more and seeing how they live. It's just an eye opener, you know? It's just, it's a different way of living and it makes you realize so much more about life and how other people live so doing that was really an incredible experience i also did halong bay which is in vietnam yeah i done that twice oh, from... yeah yeah i yeah, yeah. i like pp islands though i don't know if you've done that out of thailand with oh uh, yeah james bond um we did actually a private boat where it was maybe 10 other people
2: mm. and you got
0: to go through the caves but they had this local chef make this like incredible meal like again, locally done and just fresh food. It was, it's, it was just amazing. So again, I've done a lot of different types of experiences and tours. And I think when you get to meet the people who do them, it just, it makes or breaks your whole trip. I feel right. Whether it's your accommodations to your experiences, all these little things like really add up to make somewhere really special.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the classic, the definition of off the beaten track, right? Exactly. Um, because if you just stay on the the classic tourist trail, yeah, there are good things on there. But are you really going to learn about the local culture if you kind of just go to the tourist places a little bit, but not very much? I agree. The best experience that we feel we've done in terms of local is in, in the pool. When you're like trekking in the Himalayas, you can't get there by car. So all you're going to do is get there by walking. Now, not everyone walks, right, or hikes, or people don't like that. So these villages, they probably see, you know, the old tourists, especially on maybe the more more popular routes. But where are you are going to find that? You can't just drive there. Like hardly anyone you know is probably going to go there. But you get to learn about how they live, what their conditions are, and ultimately learn about the people who live there. And that's the best way, I think, for a country to learn about those local people.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a great way to learn. And you're really getting in front of them, right? I don't mean to diss this, but it's not like a bus tour, right? Where it's hop on hop off or even like a van. Again, those tours are great. And I think it depends on the context of what you're doing, because those tours actually could be really good. But Mm -hmm. if you really want to get like same level as the local people, if you really want to have a conversation, you want to get on their level and meet them where you can meet them right so walking to them and having that conversation it's not passing by on a truck a van a car whatever it is
1: absolutely you're totally right and it's just interesting because so many people don't do that which is fair enough but maybe that's down to maybe a bit of anxiety about going to like places that are not sort of on the main route if you like maybe a bit out there the fact that you can go anywhere just like maybe pick random places you haven't heard of and just go and check them out yeah. I'm sure you learned something there.
0: It was neat. You know, in the motorcycle tour, first of all, a lot of these people did not speak English. So you yeah. really needed a tour guide. One of the experience, I actually was telling somebody about this recently, but I did this tour, right? Motorcycle tour. We went through this tiny, 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 tiny village, right? It literally was a street and a couple little stores and the people. Mm. You would think I went with my dad doing this and you would think we look like aliens these people probably have never seen someone that looked like me
2: mm, true. and they didn't yeah. know what
0: to do. You know, they yeah. were like, do we hide? Do we laugh? Like, do we say hi? Like they really were so nervous and we just walked around just thinking, wow, like people really just don't know. And people are so in their own world, especially if you don't have education, but if you don't have money to go out there and experience things, how do you know other things exist? Exactly. You know, so I think that that's hard and that's another thing to see. And if we are lucky enough, right, to have the education, to have the knowledge, but to have the money to go out there and do it, then we get this broader, you know, perspective. But when you go to somewhere and they really have no idea, that's a shock in itself, too. So really, we look like aliens. It was comical from our perspective, but I'm sure for them it was just really scary to not see that and really have no idea who we were and feel very flustered
1: yeah and all, this also comes into the realms of like travel privileges right about that we can afford to do this and we can go to places let's talk about reality are those people that send you for the first time i mean it's not likely they're going to go to the u.s and go to new york is it no maybe they don't want to which is fair enough but like in terms of economically it's probably not be really possible, right and I, I remember this in cambodia when i was there i spoke to a guest house owner um, you know, nice little family guest house in Simri. It's got a family there. I think he had two girls. Obviously his wife was there and maybe three or four rooms. And I said to him about traveling Europe and he's like, oh yeah, I've been to Italy once and I loved it. Um, but he traveled on his own. And I said to him, you know, naively quite young, like, why didn't you go with your family? Like, or well, have you been back since? He said, No, It's just super expensive. That is really like a once in a lifetime opportunity. So he saved up as much as he could to go to Italy and check it out. In the Western world, we've just got more opportunity, I think, economically to save it more money and go.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, my friend in Vietnam, she—I'm gonna say—is one of a kind. She's brilliant. She owns a restaurant which is called Apron Up Restaurant, and she does cooking classes out of there, which is also really oh, neat because you awesome. actually go to the market.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've done that. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Yeah,
0: and it's oh my yeah, it's delicious. And she's really smart. Where she has had some opportunities to potentially come to the US and do like I guess I don't want to say like a work study program but something similar to that effect they call it something different over there but she because she's just so smart she has had some of these opportunities potentially come up for her but she was I guess explaining that you can be successful here and it still can be hard to travel and go places and do things because you just don't have those opportunities. And that's why people want to come to America or want to go to Europe because there is more opportunity. There's more education. There's more understanding. There's just more out there to learn versus going somewhere like China, right. Or maybe Japan or Taiwan or Cambodia or Thailand or wherever to even make it over here. So it's, it's a complicated thing and you can't help where you're born, right. You can't help where you live. And I think that adds another layer of complication but i think if people like perfect example one of the podcasts that i've interviewed uh two peacocks travel it's two women who do group trips to go to cordoba spain and one of the things they do is they give back a little bit of portion of each of their trips to give back to latina students who are 18 and older who may not have opportunities to travel And so going through these grant and scholarships, it gives women, even in the U.S., right, who may not be able to afford it, an opportunity to travel elsewhere to experience the world and see how beautiful it is. But if you don't have those opportunities, right, something like a birth rate that I went on or even something like a scholarship, if you don't have the finances or education or even understanding what's out there, it can be very hard to even like have the idea of that in your head. So it's like, how do we even go from there to even get the education, knowledge, experience and money? to then even understand that this whole world exists to even get people on a plane to want to go and there's there's so many layers in that so many Old tangent on this which <laughs> is too much but there there is a lot more to unravel than just simply going somewhere
1: yeah so right there's so many layers to this i was thinking yesterday actually about like very working class we couldn't afford to go away if there was a time we're going away on holiday it would be like to the next county right just up the road the equivalent of my family and somewhere in Bangladesh is at the start the same right economically because we both can't travel right we're just both surviving effectively just got jobs just very working class but the opportunity in uk is better because there is there is opportunity or something like us to actually maybe go and get a job and earn more money and get yourself out of that whereas in these other countries i'm not sure there's that opportunity so it starts almost level but then it doesn't become level at the end and that's just surely based opportunity and what country you're born in which is it's luck isn't it unfortunately
0: yeah I agree with that it's a tough conversation and again there's yeah. so many layers to unravel there but I I can agree with that for sure
1: I've got a question about one of your tours actually which I've never done food tours now it's a food tour I've done a cooking class in India and stuff like that but a food tour do they on purposely take you to like the real local areas to get you like an experience in that sense or is it just like maybe their favorite places that they know are good for certain bits of food
0: so i'm gonna talk about the food tour in florence because it was probably my favorite and i so let me tell you about the guy and then you'll understand the food tour he is a local chef out of florence and so what he does is he did food tours during the day and then cooking classes out of his apartment at night which is like a whole thing but he was very into food And so his day tours, he really took you to places that were truly local. I mean, if I wasn't with him, I would have never known about these places. I actually don't even remember the names because I just, I had such a good time embracing it that I don't even remember like tagging any of the restaurants, to be honest with you, (laughs) because it was that fun. Um, But it was like super, super, super local. Like one of the sandwich places, like in this little place, like I would have never known. Yeah. Little olive oil shop little place with like wine which actually was a little bit of a bigger spot but like a tiny gelato place like it was places you would never as a tourist traveler going there have Mm -hmm. any idea that existed you just wouldn't so I think the benefit of a food tour is first of all you get to eat which who doesn't like to eat right (laughs) you do (laughs) yeah you're gonna be hungry but it's I find that when I eat somewhere culturally, I find that, I mean, look, Italy, Italian food, like what's not to love, but anywhere else I've even traveled and done food, you just feel connected to the person and you build relationships. I believe, look, when you think of holidays, right? You Mm -hmm. think of Christmas for America, you think of Thanksgiving or Easter or Passover or even in America, you have Memorial Day or Labor Day and it's barbecues and it's cookouts. Like there, you obviously- do it for people. But food is part of that too. Food is part of that culture. Food is part of just community, being together. And there's something really beautiful about sharing a meal. You know, I love going to restaurants again, living where I live in Charleston. The food here is incredible. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I love to go out to eat, right? It's an experience and it's something that we do together and it's something we can bond over and talk about oh the food was great and i ordered this and we tried that and this was amazing and you can recommend it to other people and it becomes this ripple effect yeah so the fact that i'm even telling you about a food tour in florence and it was a local chef and it we, we went to all these different places it just finds some common ground with somebody you know if you have nothing else to talk about you could talk about oh what's your favorite restaurant or what type yeah. of food do you like and that could Spiral in a whole conversation. So, food really to me is like that glue that brings people together. And, like, doing a food tour, I just think if you love the food in that area or you want to try something without spending too much money, I find a food tour just really cost effective because you can just have little tastings and you don't need to feel pressure to like eat a whole meal. You know, when you do food tours, I'll caveat this you just try little nibbles. Like, we did, um, <laughs> In Florence, like the first stop was like San, I think it was San maranzo like little food market. And we went to this cheese spot and you just try little bits of cheese, right? Then you go to pizza and you have like a slice or two of pizza with wine. Then you go to a sandwich shop and you get a, you know, I don't want to say mini, but it was like a good sandwich <laughs> that wasn't too big, but that wasn't tiny. <laughs> and you have wine, right? Then you go for more wine and cheese. Then we had olive oil with bread and you're just eating little bits. So by the time you're done, you're just, you're stuffed. Yeah, absolutely stuffed, but you're having a little bit of everything, and there's no pressure to get like a whole meal. And it just gives you more variety, it gives you more flavor, it gives you more taste. And I just think that that is like so nice to be open minded. And so, doing a food tour, I recommend it to anybody. You know, someone I interviewed on my podcast, their bellies and root, these women are fantastic. They do it out of Cairo. And, you know, it's so funny when you think of certain areas, like you think of Cairo, right? You think of the pyramids, right? That's like the mm. first thing you think of. And, you know, maybe riding a camel. Yeah. But they realized that there was this opportunity that nobody talked about the food. Mm. Why would you think of food in Cairo? Right? It's like not a th- yeah, thing.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: So they decided to create this food tour. They're absolutely... And they talk about all, I mean, I won't give it away. So listen to the episode. Yeah. They talk about all these different foods and juices that they drink and how certain foods and flavors are part of their culture and why they felt this food tour was so important. And they blew up right from one publication. Mm. And so they put Cairo on the map as like a food spot, you know, and I actually had another tour guide, which was no secret, no secrets tours. They said in New Orleans. Where they said, you know, we love our tour company, but this is one you need to interview. And I ended up getting the connection to interview them. And it was fantastic. So it's just funny how the ripple effect, right? These people love food. They did this tour. They told me about it. I interviewed them. It becomes this ripple effect of incredible word of mouth to talk about something. And again, it was about food. So I, I tell everyone to do a food tour, right? And at least have the opportunity to try it
1: yeah that's what I need to do I, I need to do more I, I think I've only done one <laughs> actually really
0: you need to do more
1: <laughs> I know and that was in India I've done a dosa tour interesting this local guy took us a load of like doses if people don't know what a dosa is it's like a scribe it really it's like a papery type pancake thing with lots of things stuff in the middle like potato and onions and, and basic Indian food it can be vegetarian or, or meat and they're quite long like this rectangle but we had like seven or eight and your point about just take little bites is absolutely key because we're at stuff. And then he said, oh yeah, we've got a dessert dosa portion. So I was like, oh, we can't fit any more in too full, but yeah, I remember the dosa tour and that was great because you get to learn local people who cooks them. And um, my question about tours in general and food tours will come into this is like, how do you search for one that's maybe authentic or, you know, it's not someone like trying to rip you off. Like how, how would you go about picking a tour out? Apart from your podcast, of course, because obviously you've interviewed loads. But like, let's say you're a general traveler, how would you pick one out?
0: So that really depends. Depends on kind. Of, There's so many who, what, when, where, why, and how. It's very hard for me to decide how somebody should look up something. Right? Mm. I do think looking up reviews is huge. I okay. think having some type of presence. Like I try to not book through TripAdvisor, Airbnb. But again, the tours I've booked have been through Airbnb and they've been amazing because I find Airbnb a little bit better because it's really local people doing it. Yeah. Try to support them. And a lot of times people just don't have the money for a website, right? So it's something to think about. Like, let's talk about Paris, right? Somewhere like that everyone knows. Paris food tour. What food tours come up, right? Look at their websites, Mm -hmm. look at their reviews, whether it's on Google. Look, I always try to find a social media presence. I find that a lot of millennials and Gen Z want that now. Yeah. Maybe baby, baby Gen X and baby boomers don't care, but I notice younger generations want to see you on social media. Yeah. doesn't necessarily be like the whole TikTok thing, like whatever you can do that, I guess. Mm. But they just want to see relevant reviews. They want to know that you're online because they want to know they can reach out to you for any questions, comments, concerns, If you book directly with the tour guide too, you also get a lot more flexibility because when you book through a third party, you are very limited on cancellation, refunds, exchanges, anything. But if you go direct to them, first of all, they don't get the OTA percentage gone. So chances are they'll give you a little bit of a cheaper deal, right? Depending on how many people you go with. um, Maybe it's cheaper on an off season. There's so many different factors in that, but chances are when you book directly through them, they're so grateful and appreciative of that. Yeah, But again, it's also creating that presence online to make sure that SEO is up to date with what you're looking for. Right. Mm. And make sure that you are being found because a lot of times the way I find my tours for my podcast is I'll just look up like Paris tour. Right. And if your name comes up in there, then maybe I'll message you and say, Hey, come on my podcast. Right. So with mm. Finding tours in that way too, like making yourself so easy to find on social media that it shouldn't be an issue. Because if you make your name kind of funky, sure, it's a cool name, but you may not be found, right? People True. want the obvious and it's thinking intuitively. Like if I want to do a food tour in Israel, right? What are the food tours in Israel? Or if I wanted to do a beer tour in Munich, Munich beer tour, right?
1: <laughs> Got it. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: It sounds so silly when you like think of the wording and there's so much involved in that but making sure that your words matter and that people find you in the right way you want to be very intuitive and I think for anyone who wants to go on a tour looking for a tour you need to think of your target audience too, right? From a tour guide perspective, you need to figure out how people are looking for you, who your target audience is, the who, what, when, where, why, and how, how much you want to pay, how long is it? How many people? Do you want a public tour? Do you want a private tour? Do you want a virtual tour? Do you want to just go off the walls and do something totally different? Like whatever it is, it's just getting very clear. And also who you're traveling with, right?
2: Mm
0: -hmm. A mom, you know, your dad, uh, a spouse, right? A partner, whether you want to go with your kids solo. There's so many other things to think about that every tour is going to be very different. Some tours specialize in traveling with kids, some specialize traveling for bachelorettes, some yeah. tours specialize for birthdays, weddings, anniversaries, honeymoons. There's the list can go on and on and on, but it, booking a tour and looking for it. I mean, you definitely just want to make sure it's credible you can message True. them and email them you want to make yeah. sure that they that's why i think the social media thing helps because then you see they're active mm-hmm. whether it's been like i think a lot of tour guides are nervous of posting you don't need to post every day or all the time
1: just be on there really like i don't know every week
0: at least once twice a week minimally yeah. to post and then post a story maybe three times a week right just so people see that you're active and that yeah. people, that you can have a conversation and somebody can reach out Because you want to reach out. Because there's been times I've like thought about booking a tour. And if you don't get back to me, my business is going elsewhere, right? And, you know, people want that 24 to 48 hour kind of response, probably 24 hours or sooner, to be honest. Yeah. So I think having that communication and conversation and knowing that you can be approachable. That's why for my podcast, you know, the reason I started it, truthfully, I wanted a podcast to listen to tour guides. But I Uh wanted not as tourpreneur, So a lot of people know tourpreneur, and they do it more from a marketing perspective.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: My podcast is more storyline. What do I mean by this? I want to get to the root of the person. And so just a template, if you're listening to any of my episodes, this is kind of how it goes. I do an intro that I create. I have everyone fill out a form, which you did as well. Yeah. And that form really helps me get clear on like social media links to find out more about you and to just do a deeper dive. And also just having social media stuff as well. So I can post it everywhere. I'm going to create an intro. I start off with your background, right? Like pre doing whatever your tour is for just to keep this generalized. What were you doing? Were you working other jobs? Were you living at their places, other languages? Do you speak just to give listeners an idea of who you are? Then we go into why you did X thing. Like, why did you become a tour guide? Why Mm -hmm. did you start your business? Why did you do it? And if your name's funny, I'll always like ask a name, right? Because some names I've done, like recently, I had big onion tours. Like, why'd you come up with that name? name They said in New York, great guy, Seth is awesome. Another <sighs> one is, um, can you handle it tours with Kai? And he does it all out of Europe and his tours are really fun walking tours. So yeah. if it's a good name, I'll always ask about it. Getting into some logistics about the tour, right? Like again, how many people, public, private. Um, what's included right in your cost. Cause some people I've interviewed do group tours, right? So is it for a lot of women? Is it expensive? Does it include a one bedroom? Does it include food? Does it include flights? Like what's, what does your price include? So people know
2: Mm -hmm.
0: depending on what it is. So if it's a food tour, we go into like the top five food places in X city. Yeah. Because people want to know those like hidden spots, right? People want to know. That's the thing. I want to uncover that. And then sometimes we get into fun conversation, you know. So I interviewed Cindy, who does fashion tours in London, actually, and she goes around to different boutique stores and shows people clothing, mm. very trendy, very cool. She yeah. is like the hippest, most stylish person I've ever like. I actually met her in person when I was in London, and oh, I wow. just, I love like we met for an hour, um, for over coffee, and she was just a light, like a love. She just was wonderful. I. I highly recommend if you can even like meet her, she's just the coolest person. Mm-hmm. And we talked on the episode a little bit about sustainability. So again, listen to that episode too. Yeah, But we talked about sustainability and about clothing and about just fast fashion and who it, like, what designers are doing sustainability. And so you bring up interesting conversation and that's where I bring it up on that. And then at the end, my favorite question I love to ask is how do you want people to feel after they experience your tour I ask this question because naturally we want to do a tour and we want to go somewhere. We technically, you know, we kind of want to feel something, right? We want to feel inspired, excited, enlightened, right? If it's a food tour, full and happy. So depending on whatever your tour is, I like to ask that is how do you want people to feel? Because we all want to feel a certain way after we do something. Mm -hmm. And everybody has a unique response. Some of them have surprised me. Some have been what I expected some have just been totally off the rails so oh wow okay (laughs) (laughs) I I won't give out which episode this was but actually somebody you know pretty much cried a little bit when I asked that question which was very emotional um so I won't tell you which one because I want you to listen to all of them but really got emotional about when I asked her that question because she really felt like I want people to feel amazing I want people to feel excited you know and inspired and everybody has their own reasoning of why they do things and it's leaving that impactful way. Right. And that, that impact on somebody to talk about it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you don't, I used to always say this cause I was not a school person. And if you are God bless, but I'm not a school person. You don't ever remember about the time you studied for a test. You never <laughs> remember the time you went to school. You never remember the time you went to work, had that project, homework, research, whatever. Waste time. You will never, yeah, waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. You will never, ever forget in your lifetime that you've traveled. You never forget where you stayed. You never forget the experiences you had, the people you were with. Just the whole ambiance of travel and understanding these experiences just means something to you. Like, I've traveled with my dad to Southeast Asia three times. Like, I'm lucky I can't even say three, right? Mm. With my dad. For so many people, they don't even have either option. But Yeah, yeah. I'm so lucky I got to do that with him. And I have these amazing experiences and I got to go all over and like, we just had the best time together. And I'm so, so, so grateful for that. And I really think, look, I'm kind of 50, 50 on this. You have to have your finances in order, right? Save, invest for the future, but you have to live your life. Life is so short that you have to live life. You have to travel, Maybe you can't go away for two years, right? Maybe there's a pandemic or something crazy happens. <laughs> but it's looking, I believe, even through the pandemic, I've realized I you have to look forward to things in life to be happy. And I think we can all get in this rut of ourselves that we live the same life and do all these things. But you have to just be grateful. And even through COVID, like even traveling a couple towns over or stayed over, I just realized how happy I was to so even just get out.
1: Yeah, I no, that's and the key, so, right?
0: Whether you want to at least go a state over just to like dip your toes in the water to travel to eventually travel internationally, however you feel. I think travel is one of the greatest gifts you can give to yourself if you're able to do it, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, whatever that thing is, if you can go somewhere, travel, do things. I think there's a budget for everybody. You know, I used to travel with a girlfriend of mine. We did two trips together. Our first trip was really Italy. We Mm -hmm. did Venice, Rome, and Florence. And then our second trip, we did Madrid and Lisbon. And we just split costs. Honestly, I mean, we paid for our own airfare, of course, but for Airbnbs, we kept it pretty cheap. And we got like a whole apartment to ourselves. Like, I think we spent like 150 a night for some of them. You know what I mean? Like, But then you split it half and half and then it's 75 a person each night. So you can cut your costs, right? Depending on who you travel with. And if you're having a certain budget, Like I, like the way we did is like, I paid for dinner one night, she paid for dinner. So we just had a running tab and then whoever owed who at the end, we just paid it out and like called it even tours. We paid for our own or like I pay for a tour, she'd pay for a tour and again, hash it out at the end. Mm -hmm. So it really just depends on your budget, what you want to spend. I don't believe in being super cheap when you travel. You know, my mom has a friend of hers who travels or did travel, would hate going to a country but then didn't want to spend money to do anything.
1: It's a, it's a weird mentality. Yeah.
0: It was why? Like, here's my thing. Why bother? <laughs> yeah. Why bother? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when I did Rome, I literally did a day of like, in the morning I went to the Vatican, you know, you do the St. Paul's Basilica or a yeah. cathedral, whatever it is. And then I had lunch and then I went to Colosseum and I did a whole day of like, just tours doing that. And then the next day, oh, another experience I did, which is amazing. I did a Vespa tour out of Rome, which oh, was
1: trending. so
0: cool. <laughs> oh,
1: don't, don't. Have you done that? <laughs> no, that to me was like, be almost perfection in a tour. A you Vespa tour to. in Italy. Oh, Rome, in so there. you
0: can rent your own, which like, yeah. I was nervous to rent my own, um, but I did through Rome by Vespa it mm-hmm. was amazing and he actually even and i'll send it to you if you want to add it to your um, youtube links that he actually took his gopro and he made like a little video of us oh. going around
1: it's <laughs> too trendy that defines trendy you know what oh. so
0: here's the thing i mean for anyone in the us who knows this i watched lizzie mcguire like the movie and i don't know <laughs> if they remember when she was in rome but I remember she like had Paolo and she was on the back of his Vespa. And my girlfriend and I were like, we need our Lizzie McGuire dream. Like it's got to happen. Yeah. And I will say that was a little bit more expensive. I think it was around 120 to 150 a person. But it was four hours on the Vespa. Yeah. He drove you around wherever you wanted. Took you to places that like you would never go to on your own to like mm-hmm. get the views of Rome. And, you know, it was just amazing. Like so 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 cool if i could recommend that to anybody one million bajillion percent and again you're spending the money but i will never forget that i know
1: exactly yeah yeah yeah
0: you know what i mean like that experience i will remember for the rest of my life and i just want people to know like budget for those things maybe be a little cheap on like getting a pizza right like yeah yeah right if you're in italy like you can be cheap on certain stuff and even like going out to dinner was not super expensive. You know, mm-hmm. you get the three euro house wine, which is incredible. Like, why yeah. wouldn't I drink that, you know? And like, even share some foods. Like, like I'd rather spend less on food and more on experiences. And that's just me. That's not everybody.
1: You're totally right. You're absolutely right. No, you know,
0: I actually wrote a blog post about this somewhere, but it was like saving versus spending. And like, I believe like spend the money on the airfare, right? Or even use yeah. your travel points if you have them you could save on accommodations. I mean, I stayed in Airbnbs and I knock on wood really only had one little issue when I was in London and it was terrible. But other than that, like, I mean, I stayed in Florence, Venice, Rome, Madrid, and Lisbon, all in Airbnbs and had, a, and, and, and in New Orleans too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. New Orleans and in Charleston when I came to visit knock on wood, all wonderful experiences. So I believe in trying to be cheaper in that sense, as long as you're safe. Yeah. But you can save money on food, right? You can like figure that out and even do a food tour, right? Two for one, you get the tour and you get to try food. Yeah. yeah. But it's spending the money on the experiences because that is what you're going to remember. And that's what you're going to talk about, right? That's what is going to make you like love a place and feel even more connected to it. So there's a way to save and splurge, like save the money, right? I get it. But then you got to splurge in certain places too. Otherwise, like, if you're going to be cheap, I hate to say it, but like, just don't travel. If you're going to be that cheap, right? Be cheap on certain yeah. things, but spend the money where it's necessary.
1: Yeah, cause I'm definitely a backpacker at heart, but you've got to spend money. I mean, you can't just go traveling to survive. What's the point in that? You do need to go and yeah. do experiences. You're right. And you're totally right about the whole thing about remembering those things. Because, yeah, I mean, you, you made a point about like, you don't remember the exams and the job. You don't school not important no one gives a really a shit. like they blow up so much about how important it is is it really not sure i think you've learned a lot more just going off around the world for a bit on your own or with a group of friends and then learning different cultures than just getting told to read something in a textbook but yeah you're absolutely right experiences are just absolutely key and it's crazy you said that because i drafted a book for myself it must have been two years ago now i've not done anything with it but i've done my travels from 2010 To I think 2017, seven years. Uh, But the main bulk of it was 2013 to 2015. All that was almost memory-based slash Facebook a little bit, but just experiences one after the other. Oh yeah, we went to Hainan Bay. We stayed at this island in Vietnam. Like all these different things you just remember because it's just in your brain. Like you just remember experiences. I think the problem with travel, sometimes people suffer from is day-to-day, it's a bit samey. It's because you need something to break it up, whether that's a four day hike somewhere or that is a food tour just something to, I don't know, get the mind going a little bit. Yeah.
0: I I think it's spicing it up and changing it up because I think when we, here's the problem, we get comfortable, we get really comfortable yeah, yeah. and we don't want to do things and we don't want to go out and you know, this, that, and the third, but I think sometimes you have to get uncomfortable to like find your inner self and Mm. to, you have to get uncomfortable to be comfortable and you have to go outside of your shell. Like, I remember the first time I tried fish. True story. I went out with an old neighbor of mine. I helped her set up an iPad for her. And in exchange, she wanted to buy me lunch, which was very nice. Mm -hmm. I was not like, I was a very picky eater growing up. I would not eat certain things. I didn't like it, blah, blah, blah. She had me try mussels. And I thought, mussels? Like, why would I eat that? So (laughs) weird. She goes, just try it. Just try it. I said, okay. Tried mussels. That opened my whole world to (laughs) All the seafood. I mean, now I probably eat more seafood than anyone else in my family. My husband, I eat a ton of seafood. We, I eat salmon, I eat tilapia, cod, grouper, snapper, flounder, swordfish, clams, mussels, oysters. I love oysters. Um, lobster. Like
2: wow,
0: like tons of seafood. Just because I tried that one thing, right, that I was uncomfortable with, Mm. I started to eat everything. (laughs) <laughs> and I listen the only thing I don't really do is spicy um and I don't like a lot of red meat and pork but yeah. generally speaking I'm more open-minded to trying things because I did that and when I travel I always want to try something new and that really opened my whole world to a whole different world of food that I would have never known otherwise mm. so sometimes like it's just trying something I guess my point is like try something once like I went, oh, another thing I did. This wasn't like a travel thing, but I skydived.
2: Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. Done it twice. Yeah. Loved it.
0: Yeah. Kind of, well, it was scary. Okay. So I'm definitely afraid of heights. Okay. And I was really nervous to do it. I thought, oh, do I do this? Do I not? It's like, this is like a weird thing. And I yeah. did it. I do the pictures because I was like, I really don't want to remember this. But I tried it once. Would I do it again? Probably not. <laughs> um, never, never. But like, I would lean more not doing it than doing it. But I guess my point is, unless you really try right within your comfort zone to a certain point, you have to just try things, you know, within reason, Yeah. trying different foods, right? Maybe trying a dress on that you wouldn't normally try. Maybe it's just trying to meet somebody new, you know, or if you're dating, like just trying to go on a date, like just trying something and giving it a go. The worst that could happen is you don't like it. I like it. it. Doesn't work out like. If that's the worst thing, I could deal with that. But I think some people are not even afraid. Like they're so afraid to even try. And they maybe don't have the right circle of people around them to like boost them up as positivity. Maybe they just have a lot of self-conscious issues. Like whatever it is, I think if you're around good people and you are motivated to want to try something, just try it. Do it. Like there's nothing stopping you. Like I, listen, me trying one muscle changed my whole world to see
2: food.
0: <laughs> yeah. it is that one little thing that breaks you out you know and if it wasn't for that trip to israel that i got to travel internationally i'm not sure what would happen like maybe oh, i would yeah. traveled somewhere else but i traveled and i got to see the world and it inspired me to want to just keep going and keep yeah. trying and keep traveling and maybe that's not everyone's cup of tea but i i don't know i just think travel is just a beautiful thing
1: I think that's why we set up the podcast, right? To try and mm-hmm. get those stories out there to inspire people. That's that's the only reason I do the podcast, right? Is to get a story like that or anyone to come on and just like try and inspire someone to, you know what? Yeah, I will go to Israel or I will go to Cambodia and do whatever. 100%. If someone goes and does something that's out of the comfort zone because of the podcast, then that's a win. That's a total aim.
0: 100%. And even with my podcast, you know, people have found tour guides through it and they tell me they're like oh my god someone listened to the podcast and i got a tour from them like Mm. i got you know them to go on my tour it's incredible you know one of my recent stories was i guess it was a couple from i think they're from australia or new zealand like i mean this is like crazy and they ended up finding this guide of new york to do his tour and so he's telling me he's like so excited he's like oh my god like they you know, they found like your podcast and they like wanted to book with me. Like, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to like Mm -hmm. even put the podcast out there. And I reached out to them. I said, Hey, like, just curious how you found me. And they ended up just doing a Google search of like travel experiences and New York. And they wanted to listen to somebody to hear their voice and how they were. And that inspired them to want to book them.
2: Yeah. And so hearing
0: stories like that just like melts my heart and it just makes me so happy.
1: That's awesome. That, that's great when it can come off, right? That's the whole mm-hmm. aim of it. I've got a question actually about tours and podcasts. It's more of a podcast question before we get to your podcast. Sure. Do you think, here's my idea, right? I want to interview for the podcast local people. And I thought, ah, a good way of doing this is a free walking tour, for example, not free, you no know, free walking tour. You tip them. Do you think tour guides locally would be up for being interviewed? Like it probably would be in person, right? For a podcast based on your experience of your own podcast and your tours that you've done?
0: I think you have to, so some people are nervous. I've actually interviewed a woman who was really sweet. She was like white in the face podcasting and very scared. So some people have this way where they love to talk to people in person, but when it comes to a podcast, it really like scares them. Like a lot of people on my podcast, I'll say probably nine out of 10 of them have never done a podcast. Mm-hmm. And they were really, really nervous. Right. So it can be intimidating to do one because it's not like they're just like free, not freewilling it, but like, you know, freeballing it more or less to like talk about what they want to talk about. Mm. They actually have to like, it's gonna be recorded and it's gonna be out there and people are gonna like yeah, do yeah. it. I don't want to say complicated, but I think it depends on the person. Some mm-hmm. people are really extroverted and they're really excited and they're confident and they can do it. Some people scared in the face and terrified. So I think it really depends on the person. And if you're going to do it in person, I think it depends on the equipment you're going to bring, right? Because right now we're doing this virtually. A lot of tour guides would do it virtually. Of course, the timing is an issue, right? If you're different time zones, but could you do it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do I think you need to think about logistically equipment, quiet space, timing? Like, do they even have the time to interview with you? I think that's where it gets a little bit complicated. I think it's a great idea. It's something I've thought about doing too, but- I think of the logistics behind it and it might be a little bit harder than we think to get these guys kind of squared away somewhere. And like, you got to figure out location of where to do it because you don't want to be outside, right? We're in a quiet space. You don't want to be outside with all the noise.
1: I've tempted like outside CAF and have like the ambience of the outside coming in. I don't know if that
0: would work. It'd be hard. Mm. I did. So one of the things that are like sneaky that I'm doing, um, I interviewed a couple tour guides in person. So I'm trying to do some YouTube things with that. But I will tell you, sound doesn't sound great when it's outside and there's a lot of noise. So just keep that in mind.
1: Okay, it's interesting. I wasn't actually worried about logistics. I was more worried about people doing it.
0: But maybe I've underestimated
1: that a little bit. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, logistics, not only people doing it, but logistics will also be a bear more than you think, because you have to find like a room somewhere quiet. Mm. You need to about equipment and a laptop and like there's so much other things you have to think about that i personally wouldn't do it after thinking about it all do i love the idea yes brilliant mm. idea maybe you can do like just a bunch of short videos with somebody and you know kind of creating like almost like a tiktok for reals content but doing an actual podcast and a sit down and somewhere quiet and equipment yeah. and whatever it it just gets really complicated
1: i'm going to greece in december and i've Got a few people interested in, their locals, right? one's actually a tour guide, um, they're a couple. They do tours on this island we're going to, and they're, they're interested. So I said, like, oh, wow. They said, yeah. Now I'm thinking, oh yeah, logistics, where's it going to be? I have no idea. I was just thinking, like, <laughs> we'll just go to a cafe outside with a coffee and a couple of my friends in front of each other and have a chat. But maybe that, yeah, i will test that out and see how it goes. Cause I have, yeah. a, I, I have a sister YouTube podcast for coffee, right? I do a coffee podcast. And myself, if it's too busy in the cafe, I won't go and record in there because it'd just be too, it's too much going it's on. Hard. The audio is going to be hard. tough. Yeah. So you're right mm-hmm. about that. That's yeah, good to know though. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because it's got me thinking though. That's good.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. Of course.
1: Okay. Can we come to your podcast? You've explained what you're doing with your podcast, the Travel Experiences Reimagined Podcast and just quickly tell again, the listeners. So it's just the premise of getting experiences on record, but is it just tour guys or is it other people that come on?
0: So I do do other people. Um, I've had a couple people who are in the tourism travel industry. Yeah. Like I said, I interviewed Gail, who actually does Experiences You Should Have podcast. I have a couple other people coming up who are in the travel space that I kind of create as bonus episodes. Some people I've done doing group tours. So I would say they're tour guides, but it's mm-hmm. not just like a tour guide doing a tour. It's like people doing group tours or I've had people do retreats. So it's thinking about experiences as a whole and whatever that means to somebody, but it's predominantly me interviewing, like the general premises of most of my podcasts are me interviewing tour guides yeah. and doing a variety of tours from anywhere in the world. And it's really geared toward people who are travel enthusiasts, wanderlust, adventure seekers, really craving to learn more about travel. One of the things that surprised me is I've actually had a lot of tour guides listen to my podcast, something oh. I wasn't expecting. Um, I okay. I was- gearing it more toward just like a traveler yeah but tour guides like it because they like to hear about other tour guides right and what they're doing and they want to <laughs> get an idea okay if they're doing something right or doing something different maybe i can incorporate that right yeah. so it's it's getting just different perspectives of other tour guides which surprised me i'm um, actually doing this podcast i was not expecting that i was like i said really expecting it just to be um just travelers but it ended up being travelers and tour guides which has been really interesting and i like the approach of storytelling, because I want, I want someone to feel connected, right? Maybe I don't do video on my podcast because I just find it a little complicated, Mm -hmm. but when you listen to somebody, even just their voice, you can feel a connection or not. And I know that's like really crazy. And some people think I'm nuts for this, but (laughs) (laughs) I feel like even us connecting right now, right? Yes, I see you, but even just like your energy, you pick up on that really quickly and because somebody has like listened to somebody and even just hearing them talk, a lot of these tour guides, right. You have a website, you have social media, but maybe you're not doing reels and talking. Maybe you're not doing a YouTube channel and, you know, doing this whole blown out thing, but this gives people an opportunity to like listen to a tour guide, talk about their tour Mm. and talk about the things that they're doing or the hidden gems, because I do it to talk logistically about their tour because obviously I want them to promote their tour. But I want them to also feel like experts because I want somebody to understand like these people are the real deal. This isn't like, you know, and I don't want to like bash anybody, but this isn't like some big massive company doing a tour and, you know, they kind of know some places, maybe the touristy spots. Like I want people to know that this is like a local person.
2: Yeah, exactly. This
0: is somebody who, like, depending on what it is, and like I would, because we're talking about food tours, food tours, like the guy, the Airbnb guy that I did, he's a local chef in Florence, right? He's going to know all these little places because he's lived there. He's grown up there. He went to culinary school there. He's worked at restaurants all over there. He's going to know these places better than anybody else. Yeah. Right. So when I interview these tour guides, right, like perfect example one is like Rob Carr. Great guy. He does tours out of Edinburgh. He actually has his own website, but he started on Airbnb and he does kind of like a hair like a Harry Potter Hogwarts ish type of tour, but also history of Edinburgh. He does it where you know, on the interview, we talk about his tour logistically, but then we talk about like unique places to go. And he talks about all like these little secrets, which again, have to listen to the episode, but <laughs> he talks about all these like little hidden gems that I would have never known. Right. And maybe a lot of other people wouldn't know that he knew because he lived there for many years. He knows the area. He works there because he does this part-time um, right now, but he knows all these places because he's hung out there. He's a local, And that's Mm -hmm. what you want. You want somebody that you can really like, know, and trust. I believe that. You want to like them, right? You want to find a connection. You want to get to know them because you Mm want to know they're real. And you want to trust what they're saying. So once you have those three, you're an all-star, right? And people are going to want to go to you. And on my podcast, I try to convey that these people are interesting because they're people. They started a business because they wanted to have a creative outlet, right? They just love tour guiding because they don't want to do the corporate thing. Maybe they just love their city. There's whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And then going into just other things about the city that they want to go on, right? Or do that you would never just find, maybe you find on Google, but it's just easier to listen to a podcast, right? And not have to do all the research. They're telling you what to do and what to check out. So it bridges that gap and it just makes it really interesting for somebody to listen and check it out really depending where you want to go.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant. I love that idea. And that's why I was so intrigued by this, um, this guy called Paul Dixon, right? Who you interviewed from, yes. from Norwich, because I'm from Norwich. <laughs> I went to be a guest on another podcast called We Travel There by Lee Huffman. He's based in the US. And he gets local people to come and talk about their their city, and about what to do. And I talked about Norwich. So now I'm like, ah, oh, I wonder what Paul said compared to what I said. You know, I've not been there recently, but I grew up there, you know, first 20 years. So I'm like, I'm, I'm intrigued to see if we agree on some stuff like in terms of like place to go for coffee or for for food like yeah
2: it's interesting. you have
0: to let me know he talks about the best fish and chips he talks about the best coffee and biscuit he talks wow. about parks he talks about all the things and again i'm not gonna like you have to listen to the episode he's <laughs> just like the cutest little guy in the world and he loves the city he's part of like i think the tourism board there like oh he, yeah He's a great guy and yeah. he just knows a lot. So I'm I'm very intrigued to hear like what you like. I will have to know what you think once you listen to it. Yeah,
1: I'm going to listen to it and let you know and, com- and compare what I said.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, you must.
1: Fish and chips is an interesting one. I'll be very surprised if he didn't say the same one as me. But we'll see. We'll see. We've got different yes, opinions. keep me
0: posted. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's great for your podcast. I love the idea. I can't lie. I've got similar idea, but on the road obviously like talk to local people and try and get it on record. Maybe it's hard I think. Um, that's kind of where I think the podcast could go as well as being like a daily diary type thing if I'm traveling around. So where can people find your podcast in terms of website, social media, etc.?
0: Sure. So it's Travel Experiences Reimagined. I have my website. I also am on Buzzsprout. So if you do travelexperiencesreimagined.buzzsprout, Buzzsprout is a distribution platform. So I'm on all the major platforms, Spotify, Google, um, apple stitcher iHeartRadio, any major platform i'm on there so you could definitely find me anywhere and everywhere ultimately online you can even listen on the website on the blog post as well i predominantly do instagram and facebook um just easier ones that i use on a day-to-day basis not really on tiktok really don't get the whole tiktok thing but everyone's different But Instagram and Facebook definitely can find me. I post pretty consistently on both of them. Every Friday, a new episode drops. So I do Fridays because I feel like TGIF, thank God it's Friday, (laughs) Friday vibes, Friday feels. I feel people are thinking about the weekend, and you know, they think about like the fun things they want to do. And so a lot of people say you should drop on like a Monday or a Wednesday, yeah, Monday, Thursday. But everybody's doing that. And so I was like, I'm gonna do something a little different. I don't know if it's gonna bite me in the butt but i thought friday could be fun
2: yeah
1: i don't think it makes difference
0: i don't think so either you know i did a podcast course and they said it doesn't really matter when you drop unless you like have a massive massive following it doesn't yeah. matter yeah so for me i just felt friday was like a fun day like it's just looking forward to the weekend and getting excited about like planning a trip or mm. you know getting just amped up so that's why i did friday but every friday i have a new episode I have old episodes that you can definitely check out and every Friday I'll have new episodes. So definitely check it out. Um, it's a really fun podcast and you really get to learn so much about so many different people.
1: That's awesome. I've got some other questions about the podcast, but I'm going to chuck them into the quickfire questions at the end. Hey, yeah, just a quick one before we carry on with the travel questions. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5 or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with Public where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as t-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast, and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for travelling, podcasts, and other stuff. Thank you. It's travel question time. We're going to drop into quickfire travel questions slash podcast questions. And this will finish the episode. So I'm actually going to kick off with a podcast question. Three episodes that you've recorded that's released right now that people should check out if you just give three.
0: This is so hard. I think it depends. I think it depends. I mean, where you want to go. Um, I'll give you three unique ones. Um, I think the first one that I, one of the episodes that I did that is kind of unique is Photo Trek Tours with Mark Samuels. It's called Photo, yeah, Photo Trek Tours. And he combines photography and a tour in one. So what I mean by that, it's not taking photos and like just talking about the photos. It's he walks with you and he'll like be like, okay, stand over here and take a picture and like tell you about that thing. Mm. so he goes into tourism but he also has photos so you pay a little bit more for the experience it's private yeah but you get like professional photography so you can feel like you did a tour but you also get these amazing photos so it's kind of a two for one with that so I think that's really unique just to hear about even like what to wear how to prepare things like that I think he really goes into great detail that Mm -hmm. can really help somebody even just in general taking photos right I think that. Is a really great experience. Another unique one is Atelier Tours Paris. It's with Eric and Patrick. They are guys who they're married. They're a wonderful couple. They moved from the, I believe, outside of LA, California. Mm -hmm. And they just woke up one day and had this whole vision to move to Paris. They are into design. And so what they do is art heart walking tours. And they also do private tours of different galleries and art museums all over Paris, and they just have incredible connections to get into these places. So if you're really into like the arts and gallery and architecture, these guys are your guys. We really go into the episode just talking about Paris and right what it's like from an expat perspective to be there. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you miss from home, which like the answer cracked me up, but I felt for them, it was very true. Um, But they were just great guys. They have great energy. I couldn't respect them more. I just love their energy. You know, I really liked Dawn, the tour guide. She's from D.C. And her tours are interesting. She's actually started her business during COVID, which is like a very interesting time to start a business. But she really focuses specifically on military families and student group tours that take you around D.C., Okay. But her energy is just so amazing and electric. Like, I think she's awesome, and I think she is just such a powerful person. and she's just really fun. Um, I just really, really liked her energy, and she just was great. I mean, all my episodes are great, but those yeah. are great people that I just had to shout out.
1: Okay, That's great. What about the most unique country that you've had on the podcast that, you know someone's on the tour there?
0: So I, Well, I interviewed a woman out of Orange, Australia. Her name's Nicole. She does country food trails. Okay. And, you know, it's probably like two to three hours outside of Sydney. So it's like literally middle of nowhere. And she calls them trails and not tours. And so her whole thing is she really takes you to like vineyards and she does a saffron tour and she does different food tours. And it's just really neat to take somewhere like so out of nowhere And she's traveled all over like Singapore and all throughout Australia and New Mm. Zealand. But, and I believe she went to Hong Kong too and had whole other businesses and then did this one. And she won a bunch of awards actually within, I think I think in Australia, excuse me, of like her small business and how well she did. But she took a place that was like the middle of nowhere and like made it something for herself, you know, and created this whole tourism business. So I commend her- Because not only is that really hard to do, but she's done really well in it. So I really believe you can be anywhere in the world, right? Mm. And even do a tour, like arguably do a tourism business if you have something really unique and powerful to share.
1: Yeah, you could go really niche, couldn't you? You could do anything in theory.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could.
1: Um, You're only going to do places that sell books. (laughs) I don't know tour around oh, i
0: did a donut so i did a donut tour um <laughs> there you go <laughs> amazing yeah and they took you all around to do- and it did out in new york and we went to different donut shops and yeah. i mean it's kind of gross how many donuts you eat like you probably just have like a bite at each one again this is like fight or flight mode yeah <laughs> when you think of food tours so i would say be wary of any food tour just having like little nibbles but you get like a full yeah. donut like it's crazy how many donuts you <laughs> actually get on this tour like you can't eat them all you just feel sick yeah of but course yeah it was a wonderful tour and it was a lot of fun but i i you could look at it two ways you can be in a big city like new york have a hundred tours mm-hmm. if you have something different your tour will do well right like a donut yeah. tour like yeah. would, like that's only in new york right like that's the uh, one tour that's so different mm. but if you're doing a tour out of like a middle of nowhere town right like norwich <laughs> <then you laughs> hey is a smoke no it, well it's bigger yes it's bigger but it's a smaller city compared to like a london or even, oh
2: yeah like, yeah 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 i know manchester
0: yeah. or birmingham or anywhere like that <laughs> no i know but like when you think of a small city like but Paul Dick Paul Dixon made a tour out of that right yeah like, like even this small mm. city so I guess my argument is even no matter where you are you can create small tours you know I interviewed a woman Deborah who does pioneer valley tours again out of Northampton Massachusetts mm. and she really goes into sustainable food and goes into local businesses like real mom-and-pop places And part of that episode, we actually talk about sustainability and how you can support like farmers and farmer's markets and how that process works. Because it's not like when you go into a supermarket, right? That Mm. food is probably being shipped from somewhere. Yeah. Right. When you go to a farmer's market, chances are you're going directly to the source. And it's something actually I do in my personal life. I, where I live, there's a ton of farmland. So I buy a lot of my stuff like locally. I've even got fresh pasta. I have bought fresh eggs from these local places, fresh vegetables. Mm. There's one store that makes like their own salad dressings and mixes. Oh, wow. And I buy fresh fish. I buy fresh bread. I mean, really, like when you talk about wholesome food, that's what I think of. And the food is just so good. So I would tell anybody, if you can be sustainable, right, and slow down the footprint right whatever that yeah. means yeah but really not try to shop as like look am i shopping in grocery stores yes i'm not going to be perfect i'm not going to get it right and plus there's just something in grocery stores that i'm not going to get here right yeah, I mean, where you exactly. live Yeah. certain places so it makes it very complicated but if you can even do a little bit to support a farmer and a farmer's market and support these local businesses you're not only making the environment better, but you're eating just better quality food that's not being traveled so many miles away. So it's just little steps. Like I believe one of my theories just in life is being 1% better, right? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? I'm not telling you change the world in a day, right? Rome was not built in a day. I've been there. It was not built in a day. It's taken (laughs) hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. But we can all do something that makes us 1% better every single day. So yeah. whether that means just like even making your bed every day, that's being 1% better. Whether that means you cook a healthier meal, that's 1% better. Whether that means you just gave a compliment to somebody, that's 1% better. Yeah. If you compound that interest over time, it's going to just radically change your life to just be a little bit better every day. And again, it's just, it's really that 1% because it's not asking you to do a hundred things. I'm not asking you to revamp your life or change a million and five things. It's just being a little bit better every day and doing that little baby step every day. And that takes time. Any Mm. good thing takes time. Planning a vacation takes time. Yeah. You know, like anything takes time, but it's, it's little steps to get you in the direction that you want. And if you really have a clear vision and goal and you work backwards and you just focus and spend a little bit of time every day doing it, I think you would be really amazed at yourself at what you can accomplish and do.
1: There's a great book about this called Atomic Habits by James. Clear. I've read it. Okay, cool. Yep. <laughs> we, we've read the same book. <laughs>
2: yes, yeah.
1: yes. He is brilliant. Uh, that was a brilliant book. That changed a lot of things for me. Yeah, that's me it. too. That's good. I've got an extra question before we go to real travel questions. Sure. Have you done one for a coffee tour on your podcast? No,
0: I have not. I would love to do one. I actually, so one of the things I do on my social media is I do. Three to four days a week like a city of the day
2: yeah, that's and, so I'll talk yeah. About
0: the city. and then a couple hours later i do another post of a tour and then i just tag other tours depending on the city and i know there are a couple coffee tours out there i don't mm. see too many of them but i find coffee i think there's probably one in seattle i'm sure um, yeah but okay that's a tour too right there's tours for everything nowadays
1: that's one tour though you have to be careful right you can't just like sip in like cups of coffee everywhere you go you'd be buzzing to start to do shots of coffee wouldn't you make sure you don't get well, too that's why
0: in italy i did an espresso right you do one yeah, yeah, espresso, and yeah. one after so
1: <laughs> yeah you need to be careful with that that's interesting 100
0: percent. And because
1: i have a coffee podcast i'm like oh i could do a coffee tour in vancouver
0: you could you know it's it's interesting when you do that because one of the episodes i did tucson food tours he kind of broke it down of like partnerships right because mm. when you do food tours You're not making the food, you're taking people to the places. And so you create these partnerships to take people over and over and over again, because chances are, they may want to go back, right? Or recommend it to a friend. And so Mm. if you're a local there, let's say you did a coffee tour, right? Like coffee tour with James or coffee tour Vancouver, like whatever you want to call it. Mm. And you partnered with like, let's say five coffee tours, you can do little espressos or little tastings of coffee, or if there's different flavored or different variety, and maybe include like a croissant that you can cut up, right? Or cut yeah. up a little bakery or pastries. That's usually what's in coffee shops. And you go to these places and depending on the place, right? A lot of these places have stories, right? Mm. Like as people, we have a story behind each of us, which is why we do podcasting. Yeah. But stores, I'm sure have a story, right? Mm. Think of like the first Starbucks that has a story. Or in, Co- like in Brooklyn, um, in Coney Island, they have the first Nathan's hot dog, right, stand. So that's a story, right? I'm sure little mom and pop coffee shops, they have a story, right? Depending on their location, depending on the building, how old they are. You can, it's infusing coffee. Yeah. Right, because it's something, the experience, but it's also talking about the history behind what each of these places are, why they even opened it, the who, what, when, where, why, how. Just to give a little bit of fun facts, it doesn't need to be like, whole song and dance but it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like just little like bite-sized facts about something that can be like oh that's really neat i didn't know that
2: yeah yeah
1: exactly what you said yeah mine has gone off a little bit like oh you could do that you could do that maybe we can reach out to someone to do like an interview on your podcast to talk about their coffee tour just be like intrigued to see how they set it up because it's about like, food tours you can't have too much you know would be buzzing on you you probably wouldn't do it in the evening would you <laughs> It'd be, it'd be early
0: no, <laughs> that'd have to be like a 10, 11 o'clock in the morning yeah, thing. and, and yeah. like an hour and a half max trying a few of them. Like,
2: yeah. and again,
0: that's being mindful of that too, because that's why I always ask duration of a tour because a yes, lot of people mm. don't have all the time in the world. So yeah, typically yeah. tours are two to four hours. Um, Again, depends on the tour, depends on how long, how many stops, yeah. if it's food, if it's photography, like whatever it is, it's really being mindful of the time because not everybody has time. Some people have all the time, right? Really depends. And speaking of coffee tours, actually where I live in Charleston, we have, I know it's controversial, say plantation, so I'll say garden, Yeah. but it is the only tea garden in the country.
1: Oh, I think I've heard it before. Yeah, someone said that before.
0: It's the Charleston Tea Garden and it's like 20 minutes from where I live and Mm. they do a trolley tour. So we did the trolley, my husband and I did the trolley tour a couple, about a month ago now. And it was really neat to learn about tea and how, you know, tea obviously came from like India and mm. in London and all these other places and how tea is made, which again, I won't give that away. I like want people to learn about it, but it's very fascinating. The whole experience, what countries drink a lot of tea, how tea is made, mm. the process of like a tea plant. Um, and then they have a little store where you can like buy the tea there. And so again, I'd like to support local if I can um, just bought like six tea boxes. But it's just, great. just a really fun experience to do, you know, and it's right near me, which is like even better. So it's, it's fun when you can find little things like that even near you just to get excited about.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant. That's absolutely key that you're going local because that's what Thank travels you. about. Yeah. Okay. Got some travel questions now. So I'm going to fire off three countries that you traveled to that you would say are your favorites.
0: Definitely loved Vietnam. Again, it has to go back to the people. Yeah. I just loved how amazing it was loved italy in general if you're talking city loved florence probably the best loved rome too um but florence just was that perfect mix of like not too big not too small just right and i really loved lisbon like love lisbon honestly portugal like my husband and i like i want to retire there like
1: lisbon is one of my favorite cities yeah, hands down.
0: Such a cool city. I really yeah. want to go to the Algarve coast um, on the bottom oh, yeah. and check that yeah. out too. And even Porto going more north. But Portugal was just so lovely and so nice. And I love how a lot of people speak English there. Because I asked the tour guide, actually, I said, how do people know English so well? And she said, we watch so many English shows mm. and we get the subtitles. So they actually learn English at a really young age there. And they're very integrated with the English you know, language. So it was very interesting because a lot of other, you know, countries, they know English as a second language, but they may not be as well keen. But Portugal, I felt they really knew it. So I was very impressed. So uh, those are probably my top three.
1: Okay. And three countries that you've not traveled to that's on your hit list.
0: Oh, let's see. Japan, for sure. Mm -hmm. That's like top would love to do Greece, even though I feel it's like a little overrated these days. I feel like everybody goes to Greece, which like, I would love to go. But... I'm
1: going there. <laughs> In
0: December, I know, yeah. I know. It's like,
2: yeah.
0: God, let me know. how I mean, everyone loves Greece. I haven't heard a bad thing about it. Um, but I would love to also go to Croatia. Again, I think oh, yeah. it's a little underrated, um, but it's somewhere I really would love to check out. I mean, I have like a million more, but those are like my three. And I have a fascination for Taiwan. Don't ask, but like, I am itching to go to Taiwan.
2: Yeah. Like
0: so bad.
1: I want to go hitchhiking in Taiwan. Someone inspired me to do that this year on the podcast. Oh, wow. He hitchhiked. Yeah, real safe. If you could pick one country in the world to live in for a year that you've not lived in before, where would you live? Portugal. Okay, got it. Do you drink coffee? I guess you do. No. You don't? Oh, no. Uh, do you drink tea?
0: A <laughs> <laughs> little. I, I'm like a water girl. I'm so boring. And my husband like laughs all the time. What about wine? Sometimes, Yeah.
1: Okay, the question's going to be: If you could pick one city in the world to drink a glass of wine and watch the world go by, where would you sit?
0: I'm going to be a basic girl and probably be like south of France or Positano or Amalfi Coast with a nice glass of wine and just chill, or Cinque Terre, somewhere beautiful along the water.
1: Okay, I accept that. What about cuisine? I'm going to now your top three favorite countries' cuisines.
0: I mean, how can you not include Italy in that? It has yeah, popular to be answer. Italian yeah yeah definitely italy i probably could eat mexican food all the time so definitely mexico i love quesadilla taco fajita like i could eat that 24 which is all day every day then my third cuisine gotta say love thai food love 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 thai i mean the best thai food i had was like a street pad thai for like a dollar something and it was just so fresh so amazing
1: yeah yeah
0: i mean I can't say no to Thai. Like I could eat Thai food for sure. Not the yeah. spicy stuff, but I love Thai.
1: Okay. Interesting. Because you've named, I think my top three. No, I think I put Indian instead of Italian, controversially.
0: That is very, con- I know. That's very British though. That's a very <laughs> British thing. So my husband's born in England and oh, yeah. loves Indian food. And yeah, I, love just, it. I just, I've tried and I can't get into it, but I understand why people like it.
1: Yeah. What about the best beach that you traveled to or seen?
0: Gosh, so many. Cancun actually was really nice you couldn't really like the water was clear but you like the timing we were at wasn't the best time to go even near me actually I have to say I'm near Kiowa Island um that beach for like an east coast beach is spectacular it's beautiful Mm -hmm. Miami Beach is nice too but eh, you know I could like go without it um mediterranean is obviously beautiful too anywhere in the mediterranean so that's really hard to like compare so i like a lot of places anywhere near water i'm very happy
1: <laughs> yeah same with me okay what about a favorite trek or walk Leave have done
0: so i mean i love to walk on the beach i my we t- my husband and my dog we all go to kiowa and we walk along probably about an hour hour and a half on the beach and it's just exquisite it's like the sand is perfect the water is nice it's just the sunsets are beautiful. It's such a nice walk that we love doing it. And it's so nice to like not wear shoes and like walk barefoot oh, on the beach. There's something dream. to be said about that. I'm going to do it in a couple days. So it's like, it's amazing. Yeah,
1: you know, when someone goes to Fiji, they're not saying how bad it is, aren't they? They're saying, oh, you know, got up and just walked on the beach. Like, of course, that's got to be like one of the best things ever. Has to. Be. That's why
0: I moved where I live. Like, I love that I'm mm. 20, 30 minutes from the beach and I can go there and there's something very calm and serene. And I feel like I'm on vacation sometimes, you know, yeah. it's just you want you want to have that feeling like, not like I'm gonna say I'm retired, but you want to feel that you can like experience that and it's not so far away and feel like you've gotten away, but you didn't have to go that far.
1: Yeah, agreed. Love that. Okay, a few more questions. I'm gonna say a favorite party place that you might have experienced.
0: What does party mean? Like clubbing party? Or... Drinking,
1: all that sort of stuff. Dancing around.
0: Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I have not partied in so long. Probably Berlin was a really cool place. Clubs, there, like, don't close. Don't it's close. like the yeah, wildest yeah, yeah. thing in the world. <laughs> and so I don't know like how appropriate or PG this podcast is. Not very. But when... <laughs> okay. So I was in Berlin and I was with my sister, my friend who was living in Frankfurt came to Berlin with us mm. and then we met this other girl, long story, like this is when I was single and we both met this guy, he essentially this guy invited us both on a date with him and so we were all hanging out, it was like the craziest thing, but we became friends with her and she was mm. great. We went to this one place with her called the Kitty Club, <laughs> It's like this really small spot and it was like, the it was so great, like this one guy got like bottle service for us, like it was amazing. Then the next night we went out to dinner with her and we went to Tresor. If anyone knows Tresor, it's like a very, I don't want to say high, it's not high end, but it's like a very exclusive kind of club. Mm. They like make you put like a, a sticker on your phone so you can't take pictures. Oh, wow. Like It's like no joke. And so we went there and while we were on the, it was like, I forgot what they call it, a train or a tram, but this lady, she was selling dick pics. But, like, not just dick pics, but, like, on, like, a little pin. And she goes, dick pics, get your dick pic. And I'm, like, what is this? So <laughs> weird on the train, right? Yeah. So we get to tresor We're waiting online line. In the rain, by the way. Waiting in line. And I see some woman, like, dick pic, get your dick pic. And I'm, like, is that the same lady? And she signed them for, like, two euros. And it was a – so, like, we had to, like, know what this was. and like like, I don't understand <gasps> what this is. It was a box of, like, these little pins of different dicks on them. Oh. And it was this the most, most bizarre. So strange. Um, and that was, like, an interesting club. But then we went to another club that in Ber- somewhere in Berlin. I don't even remember where. But it was, like, really cool. The music was fun. You see, like, these people in cages. Like, it, it oh, was yeah. just, like, a whole imagine. thing. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was really cool, though. Like, that was, like, a really cool experience to, like, party. Like, definitely loved Berlin for that.
1: I think Berlin's a little bit... I don't know how to describe it. It's naughty yeah. and there's not many rules. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: I think you get a lot of stuff there if you want to. <laughs>
0: yeah, for sure.
1: Okay, let's take it down a little bit of a notch to a favourite landmark. It can be nature or man-made.
0: got to say, this is going to be really cheesy, but, well, I have two. I'll say the Coliseum. I think that oh, yeah. when you see pictures it's one thing but when you're there it's beautiful mm. and going to all the watts and anger why i mean that was just a gem and it's like rated i think number one on lonely planet of like places to monuments or places to check out it was just so unique and to even go in anger Watt and like walk around was amazing
1: yeah i've been there twice actually Anchor Watt. unbelievably yeah i loved it both wow. times so good mm-hmm. very different though it's like seven years gap and it's changed a little bit since back in the day but it's still just yeah i'm sure okay my penultimate question is a country that you traveled to that's been the best value for your money
0: gotta be southeast asia i mean whether it's cambodia or thailand or vietnam if you go anywhere i mean cambodia is probably the best i would say that i mean it depends what you like Mm. you know cambodia is great for anyone in america you can use the u.s dollar which is huge Mm. um to not have to go through the conversion But I mean, I remember paying like $15 a night for a hotel and you get like free massage, Wi-Fi, free breakfast. Like it's crazy what you get for what you pay for over there just in general. Yeah. And even like Vietnam and Thailand, like maybe you pay a little bit more. But these people write the book on hospitality. Mm. Really believe that. Like when I was in Vietnam, we stayed in one hotel. My dad and I, like honestly, we got in the after like, so when you check in, Hi, how are you? Have you ever been to Vietnam? Blah, blah, blah. Or Hanoi, blah, blah, blah. They sit you down for 10, 15 minutes. Like when you're checking in, they give you water or wine or whatever you want. They pull out a map and they say, you're here. We're going to go, you know, we recommend here, here, and here. Mm. We wanted to go to like, I guess they have like a puppet show thing or like a little, I forgot the name of the show now, but they have some little show that they do. And the tickets were maybe $2 each. But we said, oh, do you mind, like, where do we buy tickets? And they're like, oh, no, we'll take care of it for you. So they went and got us, like, the best tickets in the house, like, in the front row, (laughs) which was really nice. Like, did not have to do that. But they take you up, like, to your room, and they show you the room and, you know, how, like, the lights work and the AC. And even toward the end, they – my dad was asking about tipping. He goes, how do tips work? And they go, oh, you put it – this, like, what really blew my dad away, he was like, you put it in this box. At the end of every day, we split the twips between everybody. Mm. So everyone is treated fairly. It's not like you tip a dollar for housekeeping, right? And housekeeping gets it.
2: Yeah, yeah. It goes absolutely. in
0: a bin. So it goes toward like front desk. It goes toward the waiters and waitresses and bartenders and housekeeping and janitors and whoever else is working the hotel, which kind of blew me away too. My dad and I were saying like, like we almost like cried tears of joy just at how, Nice people were like, seriously, people, those people could write the book on hospitality, because even though it may not have been like the five star hotel or the Ritz or Four Seasons, as beautiful as those are, and you get that hospitality, to get that hospitality in a smaller hotel And treat you as well as they treated you really just blew you away. And again, you're not spending a ton of money. Like even in Vietnam, we're like, oh, we'll treat ourselves $40 a night. We'll each get our own room. (laughs) And it was great, you know, takes your breath away, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I think Asia is number one. And that includes obviously Middle East and Asia, right? I think they're Mm -hmm. all known for their hospitality. 100%.
0: 100%.
1: Okay, last question. Very important question is, if someone's listening right now and they're not sure whether to make the leap to go traveling or to go to a country that's maybe outside of the comfort zone, what words of advice or wisdom would you pass on to them to make sure that they should take the leap?
0: I think it should be small leaps, right? I think something we talked about before is travel to a town, right, away from you and try that. Then travel two towns, travel a state, travel three states, travel within your country so you have health insurance and you feel confident about that, then you can travel. Abroad, right? Make sure your passport's in check, visa, documentation, definitely huge things to make sure of because you do not want to not have your passport not be expired. You want to have your visa and all that. So making sure all that is taken care of will put you at ease of mind. Just making sure, again, you even have things printed, something I used to do more of, not as much anymore, but like having printed of like extra passport, credit cards in case things get lost. But feeling like if you need to go with somebody, find someone, if you go solo, find a tour guide or someone you can connect with um, that can help you. And actually, I'll shout out one more podcast, but I like this concept. It's called Colombian Buddy, and it was Mapa who I interviewed. And what her company does is they, it's not just like a tour guide business where they show you tours, but they help you with translation, right? If you get stuck, which there's a story on the episode that she helped somebody go through major trouble, get out of it, which was, <laughs> I was just shocked. They okay. <laughs> um, help people have a buddy, right? So if you are alone yeah. or you're not sure what to do, you can call this company and they help you. Oh, wow. So you can always feel like you have somebody around. And so if you need to get yourself in that situation, it's just connecting. Right. I'm part of Facebook group. um, Girls. I think girls love travel. Mm -hmm. Women love travel. There's so many of them out there now. But those are two big ones on Facebook. If you're traveling somewhere, ask around. Right. Mm. Ask Facebook groups. Talk to people because I've noticed like a ton of women and I'm going to, I'm gearing this toward women for a second. Cause I find men are not as nervous. I find women are just a little more nervous yeah. and women are like, I'm scared to be alone and I'm scared to do this. And I'm mm. nervous to do that. And I'm nervous to go here because again, women have just different things that they have to think about. Right. If you're, you don't want to walk late at night, yeah, you yeah. don't want to wear the wrong clothes. You don't want to do all these things. So they want to ask other women who have done it. And so if you are not afraid to ask a question, you'll get the answer that you need. And there's plenty of people in these groups saying, I'm nervous to travel this. How should I go about it? And there's like a hundred comments of women being like, do the thing, go there. This is what I would do. Do you need help? I know this person. And it's incredible, the community that's in there. So if you're able to take that step and ask the question, you'll get the answer and that will make you feel sure. I think the biggest thing, again, I'm going to say this for anyone, when you don't know something and it's unknown, it's very scary, right? We, a lot of humans like control. So we love control of what we, what we know, right. And what's comfortable, but when we don't know something, it's out of our control. Yeah. So if you have questions, get the answer because it'll make you go from not being in control to totally in control and understanding what to expect, right. It's asking the who, what, when, where, why, and how it's Mm -hmm. understanding where you're going, how to logistically get there, right? What flights you need to take. If it's multiple flights, connecting nonstop. How long is it? What airline are you traveling? Do you feel safe on that airline? Do you feel comfortable? Can you ask questions? Then getting there. How are you getting around? Are you transporting via train, bus, car, walking, ferry? I don't know. Whatever way you're getting somewhere. Can you meet a tour guide or somebody who can really get you around? Can you look on something on a map on Google? Like, Like, I think when you get the questions out of the logistical part, you can then focus on the fun. You can focus on the experiences. You can focus on the restaurants. You can focus on other things. But I think for people, right, I'll include women and men, anyone, once you understand what the fear is, you can unlock that fear and travel and go places and do things but it's, you have to kn- know the questions to ask to get the answers so you feel in control of the situation and not feel so nervous.
1: You said it earlier, right? Being comfortable, being uncomfortable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely key. Okay, Mayo, thanks for coming on to the podcast today. It's been an absolutely brilliant chat. I've learned a lot and thanks for making time to give the listeners a fantastic experience of what you see travel as but also your podcast which is doing a very unique niche part of travel which is brilliant.
0: Thank you so much, James. I've had so much fun and this has been so great. I love what you're doing. I think more of these stories need to be untold and just told to everybody, right? And shown to the world and people to know that like, if more and more people are traveling, there's not as much reason to be afraid or scared.
1: There shouldn't be anything uncovered. So thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. And I look forward to meeting you in person one day.
0: Yes, agreed. Thank you so much and have a great evening.
1: Thank you. Thank you for listening to my Wingin' It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winginit Travel podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last 8 to 10 years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winginit It Travel podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week also check out my website jameshammond.org there's content about myself my travels and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form finally please rate and review the podcast on podchaser this is my platform of choice alternatively you can rate this on apple or wherever you get your podcasts from this really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.